Carla Donnelly is the creator and co-host of podcasts Across the Isle, Club Soderberg and Rediscovery. She's a judge for the Green Room Awards on the Independent Theatre Panel and has written about theatre for Milk Bar Magazine and Theatre Alive Broadsheet. After several years of navigating Beat-style theatre review for online mediums, she became frustrated with the 24-hour review cycle as it didn't allow time to adequately consider the performances. Across the Isle was born from a desire for performing arts long-form criticism, with the podcast providing the perfect platform. Donnelly is a queer history buff and was a volunteer and committee member at the Australian Lesbian and Gay Archives for many years. During this time, she produced and directed two events for ALGA in conjunction with Melbourne Queer Film Festival. She has been the recipient of awards for the Best Arts and Entertainment Program 2018 and Best Audiogram 2019 at the Australian Podcast Awards. It was at this year's ceremony that stages met across the aisle. So it only made sense that Peter and Carla should meet up and chat all things podcasting in this very enlightening episode of Stages. Well, I, I'm loving it doing it by myself. It's sort of, uh, I, I guess I'm a control freak a little bit, so I know what needs to be done when, where. I mean, from, from scripting right through to... Uploading uh, it to the hosting platform. I do. Like, my host and I, we script, we share the load in that way. But Ron is so good at audio that, like, he he's so experienced that it's, like, he just does these really, like, micro-surgery edits. Because we don't edit much at all, but right. it might just be a few words here or just pops there or, you know, anyway. What's the beauty of podcast, the format, I guess, in that it is as authentic as you want it to be or yeah, can, can make it, I guess. Yeah. And, and people will forgive the ambulance sound in the background or... <laughs> yeah. It kind of lends... The coughing fish or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I love that when it happens. It's sort of... Think, yes. And I think if you acknowledge that uh, in your, your episode, your conversation, then people will uh, suspend their disbelief. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just move on. Just yeah. move on. Um, well, it's lovely to catch up here in Melbourne, cold Melbourne. I have to say it's cold. Oh, it's, well, it's the, it's, it is a cold snap. Yeah. So you've come here right at the coldest time. So. Right. All right. Well, Welcome. It's a, it's a novelty to be able to wear big coats and, uh, and all that sort of thing. Um, uh, so congratulations on your award this year at the Australian Podcast Awards. Thank you. It's your second, isn't it? It is my second award. Yes. Yes. So did you, what did you win last year? Uh, 2018, we won Arts and Entertainment. Right. So they there was many fewer awards in 2018. They expanded them significantly for 2019. Was a huge list, wasn't it? Yeah, so I... Arts and Entertainment is now like two separate categories. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and well, long may it continue because it's only the third year for the awards, wasn't it? No. no. Oh, hang on. Yes, because I was at the second. This was the third. Yeah, that's right. Right, right, right. So fourth year next year. And then 2020. This, this year you won the... And Hibber. congratulations to you too. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I didn't say it for that. Ah, uh, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. Manners, manners. <laughs> manners, manners. Uh, yes, it was It was really... What a treat to, to be acknowledged as Best New Podcast. Yes. Podcaster. Uh, yeah, terrific. Well, I'm particularly thrilled, as I told you on the awards night, because... I just feel like the arts are uh, not maligned, but sort of pushed aside for more juicier, salacious content in the podcasting world. So I was 
very thrilled that oh, thank you. Thank the you. arts w- was elevated again. <laughs> um, and you, best headliner that you won best, this year? Yeah, best audiogram. Audiogram. Yeah. But headliner, so is the company. Headliner the is the company, yes. It was a sponsored award. So it was a minor award, but an award nonetheless, as we all know in the arts. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was lovely to meet you uh, at the after party um, because I've learned so much from you already, just oh. in little tidbits about podcasting and, okay. and things like I'm here to help. I've had three podcasts, so I can give you... You have. I can um, give you all my war wounds. Across the aisle, uh, Club Soderberg mm-hmm. and Rediscovery. Rediscovery, yeah. So tell me about those three podcasts. Uh, so Across the Isle was, it just finished actually four years, um, a performing arts criticism podcast. So Phil and I, my co-host, we would each choose a show uh, per month to go and see in Melbourne. He's very different to me. He's my David to my Margaret. All right, very good. Um, purpose- yang. Purposefully chosen. And uh, we were kind of each other's hostage. So we had to just go along to whatever the other chose. No questions asked. Well, that dramatic conflict makes for good listening, doesn't it? Yeah, it was. And we were in agreement a lot. But when we weren't, it was spectacular. Um, but mostly he's very extroverted. So he would take me to all of these horrible players that people would touch me. But, um, we just did like a roundup of top three of the four years. And my top show was one he chose. So he was very chuffed. Brilliant. Yeah. So that's across the aisle. Um, and Club Soderbergh is, uh, about the filmmaker Steven Soderbergh. We say he's the most famous director nobody knows because he's made 26 films and his v- films are very popular. I think he's done some stage work, hasn't he? Did he, he come did out to do the Top, top Mum, yeah. yeah. Very controversial because mm. he got a young lady pregnant out here. Oh, he really? Yeah. Oh, was, wow. It was a bit of a sabbatical from his marriage. But uh, so we did that. We did all of his films, me, Jesse and Maggie, my other two co-hosts, we did all of his films in chronological order. Which was a wild ride, but in through the back catalogue of an artist's work, because he started with Sex Lies and Videotape, and you know did Magic Mike and Ocean's Eleven and Traffic and all these other very small, weird, uh, independent films. And then the third podcast I did this year, I wanted to experiment with doing um, a weekly show, which is a kamikaze mission. If you ever had one, and so we did Ben McKenzie and I did a Star Trek Discovery recap podcast so watch the episode on friday record on sunday publish on tuesday it was very laborious but it was a lot of fun so i've done that experiment yeah it's the beauty of podcasts isn't it you can create a podcast about any topic issue subject that you would like anything you like at the after party again at the awards uh, i met a, a lovely woman from canberra who had uh, a ukulele show. She just dealt entirely with the ukulele in, ah, in her episode. Amazing. And uh, some boys who were doing a show about shares uh, tweets. Oh yes, Justin. I know those. Justin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's fantastic, fantastic. So across the aisle, yes. you, you finished that up after four years. Yes. It would seem to me that there would be a demand for theatre criticism, though. Why? Why did you finish up? <laughs> Work in the arts, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> but you would have a good listenership, wouldn't you? Uh I don't. I define good. We have a very loyal listenership. Yeah, okay. Um, I think Phil and I designed the show as all good audio should be: is that you, sh- you shouldn't have to have read or seen the text to in order to enjoy the discussion about it. I mean, obviously, if you have, you'd get a deeper uh, appreciation for it. But so we did. We designed our show to talk about the shows in a way that 
included everybody. Uh, so our content is quite evergreen in a lot of ways. Like even though we have finished the show, we, we're actually the most popular we've ever been and we our listens just continue to rise because the back catalogue, it's timeless. Um, but we had a lot of really passionate... I think it is mostly performing arts people, but we made the show because I'm very passionate about the theatre in particular and I just wanted to like get it out there help people find work that they might like because it seems to be such a daunting task for a lot of people to they want to see shows they want to go to the theater it's prohibitively expensive a lot of the times to take a gamble on something that they're not sure that they're going to like so that's the reason why we created our show in the end the most vocal supporters were industry so creators because we did focus a lot on independent theater but mostly because that was the most accessible as well for our our listeners like you know a $40 ticket is more accessible than say a $120 ticket for the MTC so they, they were our most passionate supporters but now since this award since the kind of crest of the wave of podcasting this year we were really ahead of our time in a lot of ways. We've gained this whole new listenership of people who are, were my desired audience. So I'm getting feedback from people who are like, you know, I've seen a couple of plays and I didn't think it was for me and your analysis has really helped me understand what elements I like. And I'm always posting things on our website of like recommendations so people can go. So that's my, my long-winded answer. <laughs> what, what sort of in, involvement time-wise was there for an episode in creating an episode for Across the Isle? Yeah, uh, so obviously there was the time to see the shows, choose the shows, arrange for us to go and see the shows. We would see two shows a month um, and then we would script each episode. We would script certain elements of the episode, so intro, outro and have a general structure, but that would only really take an hour depending on the host would do the script. We would record, would take an hour, two hours. And publishing would probably take the most amount of time. So Ron's editing, um, which he said takes about three hours. And publishing was the biggest part because I did a lot of the, I did all the social media, getting it out there, getting all the tags, getting it onto our website. That probably takes about... So, so I think we figured it out that it's about 25 hours a month between the three of us, which is a lot for that's one a episode, lot. for a half-hour episode. Yeah, that's huge. Doesn't even include transcription, which I'm slowly working on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so social media was the, the main way that you communicated its existence? Of course. Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Not standing on the side corner in a, <laughs> <laughs> in a sandwich board. <laughs> but, and then I guess word of mouth uh, and a bit of publicity through things like the, the podcast awards. Yeah, and things like this, like yeah. guesting on other, other people's shows. Um, having more well-known arts people as guests on our show really drove you know we had Richard Watts we had Lisa Dempster who was the um creative director of Melbourne Writers Festival at the time we had Dion Kagan who was popular podcaster on the rereaders so getting people on the show that could kind of get it out there and then also sometimes strategically seeing shows Mm. that would get a big audience driven to listen to it Mm. so that, that were most of the ways that we got listens. Because before now it was, I mean, it's still very word of mouth, but it was really shouting into the abyss yeah. in terms of trying to find listeners. And I guess many people uh, appreciate that a lot of podcasts are a labour of love. 
Uh, and they are. We have great passion for them. That's why we make them. But but financially, there's there's no income coming from a lot of them either, is it? So it, it does. There is a financial personal cost yeah. to us for uh, in, in creating the works. Yeah, and that's basically the point that we got to with across the aisle. We we did run a possible campaign every year to fund it because. You know, it would cost us at least $1,000 a year in bills to make the podcast. That's not including our labour, theatre tickets, anything like that. That's just bare bones keeping it online with the software that we have to use and servers and whatnot. So we would do a fundraising campaign every year that would cover our bills and we'd have a little bit of money left over. But in the end, the labour just became too much so we tried getting financial subscription monthly subscription we tried getting a couple of grants um so in the end we just had to wrap it up because we just couldn't get enough money to make it sustainable because the cost becomes eventually i'm now a full-time student and the cost becomes eventually it's comparing what else you could be doing with those hours rather Mm. than not earning money Mm. i could be earning money with those hours so it's on hiatus, long-term hiatus, I'd say that. Yeah, great. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see it again. But yeah. four, four years is a pretty good innings. Yeah, it's a long yeah. time. We did 49 episodes and wow. we had we had an amazing time, actually. Mm. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. The The podcast podcast format is, is a terrific uh, uh, user-friendly uh, platform, isn't it? I mean, you can listen to it going on your walk, traveling into work, home again. Uh, you just stop it wherever you get to and you can pick it up again mm. when it's time to listen again mm. yeah and it, it, sound, it seems um, antithetical or not intuitive to be discussing theatre audio wise um, but I just felt like written review was not it was it was creating something in, in concert with written review quite literally um, so and also getting that deep dive. Written review now is 250 words in the age. Maybe 500 words on an independent, unpaid blog. Yeah. Uh, we, give our, we gave our shows at least 10 minutes, 15 minutes of discussion. Um, so, and as you know, theatre is, it's, it's, a, it's about the show, but it's also about the ideas. Mm. So a lot of it was a philosophical discussion about the ideas. So the, although it seems unintuitive i think audio really did lean itself well to the these critical discussions and that's what people are looking for on podcasts i think Mm -hmm. they're looking to be intellectually stimulated most of the time yeah when do you listen to your podcasts uh uh, okay when i'm doing the washing up yeah yeah i do do a dining you do a dining yeah yeah. yeah. washing up driving mostly driving uh i very rarely catch public transport anymore but when i do that that yeah, that's about it. Yeah. But it's still enough hours in the day. How about you? Uh, yeah, ironing, uh, public transport to and from work, uh, when I'm walking. Mm. Uh, you know, that time where you can actually devote pure listening to um, without any other interruptions. Mm. That's fantastic. You can be really taken on quite vivid stories and learn so much. Walking the dogs, running on the yep. treadmill. I have a particular podcast I like listening to, running on the treadmill, because I'm just laughing the whole time. All right, takes yeah. your mind off. Yeah, it takes my life. Takes my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning. Where did you grow up, Carla? I grew up in Sydney. Sydney, okay. I grew up in southwestern Sydney. Right. Were you a, a performing child? Uh, I mean, k- kind of in the way that all children were back yeah. then. You know, like 
Um, I did actually do choir. I sang at the Opera House Brilliant. as a child in a children's choir. Brilliant. Uh, I was just really, in- I was really interested in the arts. I was a very weird, lonely child. I grew up in an army town, essentially, and I felt very isolated out there. I'm half Maltese, but I was like the most ethnic person where I grew up. So I felt very isolated. I was obviously very smart as well. So I just, books were my friends. And I had a very vivid imagination and life through books. And I think that really kind of eventually translated itself. Who were your favorite the authors? Theater. Who are my favorite you're, authors? Well, when you were growing up, who were oh, you reading? I loved all of those, you know, like Anne, Anne of Green Gables, right. all those kinds of um, little Australians. I loved Enid Blyton. That was my favorite. Enid Blyton is wild. Have wild. you read it as, as an adult? No, not as an adult, <laughs> but I the magic faraway tree. Yeah, that was um, my favorite. The magic spinning chair, rocking chair. Uh, yes, ter- topsy-turvy land. Yes, exactly. The yeah. magic faraway tree was my favorite. Yeah. Um, gum nut babies. I did like quite Australiana type works. What about plays? When did they enter your orbit? Uh, reading as you know, reading. I guess it's like all of us studying Shakespeare at school. Maybe. I did study. I did do three English. So I studied like four Shakespearean texts for my HSE, um, and I had a really great English teacher. I have to say, who really made things come alive. But musicals was my gateway drug. As is for most people, I think. It's right. like collecting cast recordings and things? Or? No, I was no. going to musicals. Going, right, okay. So I went to 42nd Street. Was that the, what was the first? 42nd Street? It, it was in 1989. Yeah, yeah, it was an extraordinary huge production. It seemed to be a cast of thousands, probably about 42. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it was big. And uh, it was at the state. Nancy Hayes, Todd McKenney, Tony Lamond. Yeah. Yeah. It was at the State Theatre. And I remember it vividly because we were in Pitt Street Mall having lunch. And for some reason, I don't know why, but my, we were just looking for something to do. And Dad was just like, well, let's just go to the theatre around the corner and see if they have any tickets for the matinee. Because I'd been hassling him to go to Sugar Babies for right. ages. This is, I'm a kid. Yeah, Sugar Babies is fantastic also. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, was it 1989? I can't remember. It was around that time, it 89. It late 80s, I think. 89, 90. Yep. Same time as Les Mis, the right. first round of Les Mis. Yep. And it was, you know... And so we went to 42nd Street and I just had my mind blown. I remember nothing about it except that visceral feeling. And I think it was the excitement also of like, oh, we're doing something really pedestrian and now we're and just all of a sudden we're doing this wild thing and going to a matinee. So 42nd Street was my first. Then, you know, uh, I did Marina Pryor's Phantom. The first one in the... You, you did it? You worked on it? Or no, no, what? I went to it. You went to it, right, yeah. And then I went to Miss Saigon. Yes. I think that was 96, yes, 95. English invasion of all of the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And cats, yeah. You, no, no, I never went did, to cats. You didn't see cats? No, cats just always seemed too strange to me. Um, even yeah. though musicals are very quite weird, as yes. I'm famous for saying. So, yeah, I saw, I saw all these musicals and then I moved to London. And I saw a lot more musicals after that. But then I moved to London in... 2005, and I just went berserk on going to the theatre. In the West End, on the West End, soak it up, yeah. Yeah, and after that, I was hooked, absolutely hooked. So Kathleen Turner in Who's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah. And so I guess you were starting to see plays then as well in London. Yes, plays. I switched to plays. 
Um, at the and National Theatre all the time. National Theatre. Yeah. I knew someone who was working there. Um, I would just get the nosebleeds, 15 pound nosebleeds, you know, rush tickets. Uh, and then when I came back to Australia, I, a friend of mine had mentioned that she'd seen a great show at Red Stitch and I was like, great, I'm going to go to that. And then I got, and then I just went berserk with, um, subscriptions, Red Stitch, MTC, Opera Australia. I was under 30 at the time, so I did those under 30 yes. subscriptions. Yeah, you get some and I, decent I, price tickets. I went berserk for like three years, um, trying to understand what I liked and what I wanted to see. And then after that, I turned 30 and then I was like, all right, I can't do that anymore. I'll do review so I can keep going and see as much theatre as I could for free in shows. So that's how I ended up starting to do written review. Uh, so merely from. I mean, you're obviously in a plethora of, of theatre in, in London and, and here. Mm. You seem to be uh, obviously talented with English at school. Uh, yeah, you could write. Sure, sure, yeah, could put yeah, words yeah, together. yeah, sure. So, so the two merged, and, yeah. and so then you had a period as a reviewer. Well, yeah. Which, I mean, it continues, of course, but that's where it all started. Yeah, yeah. I, I was always writing blogs and writing things. Um, I had a food blog at the time that was very popular. And so it wasn't... So I had a present, so it wasn't too much of a stretch to kind of move over onto this um, other uh, Melbourne website called Milk Bar. I think they still do theatre review, actually. And I did theatre review for them for two years. Um, And I loved it. But in the end, I kind of got very frustrated with the 24-hour review cycle and having such few... Because sometimes it would take a couple of weeks where I'd be like, oh, I'd have these moments of sort of pulling more finer threads together that were so much more profound. And so I found it, I found 24 hours way too short to be able to say anything really beyond incredibly superficial about yeah. the works. And I spent a couple of years not doing it. And then in the end, I was like, I want to, I want to do a long form podcast about theater. Which you did. Which I did. Um, so, what did you know about podcasts then? How did, how did podcasts come into your orbit? I mean... Yeah, so that was 2013. Yeah. I made the decision. So I think, yeah, 2013. Yeah, because 2015 I started my show. 2013 I was like, yeah, I want to do a long form. Because a friend of mine was like, we should do a Channel 31 show. And I'm like, I really don't think that that's... That was community TV? Yeah, community yeah. TV. So I don't really think that that's... Like theatre criticism, Yes. Channel 31 show, maybe not, but it got, it sowed the seed. And then I thought, and I thought, okay, podcasts, podcasts are a thing. Everyone's into like podcasting was sort of becoming popular then. And so I spent about six months listening, figuring out, I'm a project manager by trade. So the first thing you do when you want to start a project is you do all of your recon on as as much as you can on people who are doing the same thing that you want to do or in that space. So I spent about six months listening to podcasts and I came up with a very defined list of what I did not want to do and how I wanted it to sound. Um, And podcasts still weren't very popular at that time. It was really like This American Life and maybe you would have a couple of other things. So they're coming from the States, really? All from the States. And I don't even think that there was a way of listening to them on Android at that point. And I've always had an Android phone and that's been my gate. That's been my um, gate to not listening because I've never had an iPhone. Um, 
Yeah, so I had a very defined list and then I was thinking about who I wanted to do and I actually wanted to really, in the end, do the Club Soderberg podcast first, but one of my, the people who I'd selected, one of them had a baby, so I knew that was going to kind of go on the back burner, so I was like, all right, let's do Across the Aisle. And in thinking about who I wanted to do it with, I wanted to find someone who was, because a lot of the podcasts I was listening to, it was like two two friends getting shit-faced yeah. in their kitchen. <laughs> yeah. You know, no editing, uh, rabbiting on, yeah. uh, conversations meandering. And I was like, okay, absolutely don't want that. I want to find... And always in agreement, total agreement. There was no in, conflict, no drama. In jokes. Mm. You know, there wasn't anything there for the listener. Worth listening, yeah, yeah. For the listener. They were having a great time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, I want to find someone who is very different to me so we can have that tension. I wanted that Margaret and David tension. And I'd known Phil. We'd met at we'd met at Emerging Writers Festival actually and he was sort of all around the traps doing all these weird projects and I just reached out to him and said do you want to do a theatre cruise because he's very he, he goes to opera he goes to the classical music of subscribers for both but doesn't do a lot of theatre so I wanted those fresh eyes on the scene that was going to take me to lots of different things that I wouldn't ordinarily consider right. and it was beautiful yeah yeah it was, it was straight out of the box. Like, I'm actually quite amazed at how out of the box it was straight away. How easy it was to produce and well, no, publish like, a podcast? or No, like, that the format was just perfect from right. the beginning. Yep. Like, we spent a lot of time planning it, and it just worked. Hmm. Like, there was... We had to spend like quite a lot of time getting more comfortable with talking, not having to spend hours editing, thinking about our thoughts, making them perfect. So the first couple of episodes are quite nervous, yeah. but in terms of content and structure, it was, it's never changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Vocalisation is quite a, a vital human expression. You know, we, we learn that we can get a response from laughing and crying and... making ourselves heard wow going right back do you remember or have your parents told you the first words that you spoke oh no i don't remember no i think it was probably mum right yeah what about your first meeting of a microphone meeting of a microphone that's actually a fascinating question because when i was a little girl my dad would make radio tapes with us on a saturday morning so just with the cassette tape or something? Or? Yeah, with a microphone yeah. hooked into the amp, yeah. tape deck, all hooked up to the turntable, and we would make our own radio shows. So he would let me... That's, <laughs> so, um, that's, fan, that's fascinating, isn't it? Isn't I mean, it? you're saying psychology at the moment also. Yeah. Do you think that's when this was in your DNA a little bit? Yeah, Maybe. That was the germination of, of what Yeah, was that's wild to think about because I've never career. thought of that. Right. Does he, do you still have those tapes? No, I don't know. He probably does, actually, because he's a bowerbird. Like, he keeps everything that's very sentimental. So he's probably got them in a shoebox somewhere in his attic. Um, you need to investigate that. Yeah. That's, that's your next, next podcast. But I was, obsessed with, I was obsessed with music. So he would let me... It was the only time that he would let me touch his records. So I was allowed to go and choose all of the records to pull out which ones I wanted and we would play songs and then do interviews with each other. So you're reviewing them also? No, not no, reviewing no. them. Just we would play it was like a it was like a radio show. Like yeah. we would play a song and then we'd go back to the host and we would talk about yeah. With my sister as well, yeah. That's better than playing school or doctors and nurses. <laughs> sure. <laughs> or getting plonked in front of the T V. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. What about the very first podcast 
you heard or that you're aware of that you listen to? Oh, This American Life, right. for sure. Like, I've been listening to This American Life since about 2005. Which is Ira Glass. Ira Bass. Mm. Yeah, I stopped listening to it a long, t- a long time ago, but that was the first one. And the only one for a really long time. So remind the listeners what This American Life is about. Oh, geez. So This American Life is a radio show. It has been since the mid-90s. But I think it was the first one to really upload its audio to the internet. So I think it was on a website. And then as soon as it was able to be an RSS feed, like a podcast, it was. But I only ever listened through the website. It had it had the audio there to play. And I, it's, um, it's sort of a current events or... A, a story format, true story format. So they would interview people, interesting people, people who had traumatizing things happen to them. Very well made audio, kind of like when you think about RN Radio National. Right. So yeah. Documentary. Yeah. Format. Yeah. Yeah. What else are you listening to? What, what are you a fan of? Uh, well, I love your show, obviously. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I love your show. I um, for me that's. I'd love to do an interview show, but you have the knowledge. I don't have the knowledge and the insider knowledge. So I love these the detail in the stories. It's just amazing to me. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose you're fortunate if you do have that head for, I don't want to say trivia, but, but a history about a person. But also, I mean, you owe it to your guests and your listeners to do a bit of research as well. Mm. I mean, as you can see here, I've got yeah, a whole you've got lot your of, notes, which of is Carla very Donnelly lovely. notes yeah. um, to, 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 guide the, to guide the conversation. Um, so thank you. What else are you listening to? Um, oh gosh, I feel like I'd have to get my phone. I'm listening to 7am, which is the Schwartz Media, the people who do Saturday paper and, um, the monthly, they, they're so ahead of the game because short form podcasts are not, they're not the feature there now and they've got in on the ground up. So they release a daily show, which is 15 minutes every morning and it's current events, it's news and there really isn't isn't anything like it on the Australian landscape. Like BuzzFeed used to do an Australian politics podcast called um, Is It On, which was amazing, but BuzzFeed then cancelled all their podcasts. So there wasn't really, beyond kind of Patricia Caravales, you know, there wasn't really anything that... I didn't want ABC. So 7am is brilliant. I love it. For fun, I listened to How Did This Get Made, which is a podcast about terrible movies. So they watch really bad movies and... Uh, try to work out what the hell happened with them. Is it an Australian podcast? No, that's no. an American podcast. No. But I do try to listen to a lot of Australian content. Mm. Another one I love is talking about micro content uh, is called uh, Kentucky Fried Chatton. And it's a group of comedians. Ooh, what a great name. Three of them. And they review one item off the KFC menu each episode. Bizarre. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> they eat it live and then they talk about it. Seven minute episodes. I love these short, the short form is brilliant. Mm, yeah. Mm, so mm. then what about you? Uh, Tony Martin's Sizzletown. Oh yeah. I wasn't aware of until the podcast awards. I think it, they, they won best comedy program, but um, I think he's, he's very funny. Uh, and big influences on this show, I think have been um, uh, Mark Maron's WTF. Okay, yeah. Which is, I mean, he's done something like a thousand episodes. Yeah, yeah. It's extraordinary. Yeah. He's spoken to actors and, I mean, oh, had Obama. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he does it all Well, I think it's his, easy when you've got a team, isn't it, a, Well, that's true, but, yeah, and apparently he does it out of his garage. Yeah, you can just turn up in your PJs and yeah, it's all just, hooked up, yeah. It's fantastic. And, um, 
Alec Baldwin's um, Here's the Thing. Oh, yeah. Which is a great uh, conversational chat show. He's an amazing yeah. interviewer. Conversationalist. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, I hate the word interview now. I think yeah, it's much okay. more... Interview implies a grilling or something that you'd mm. see on 60 Minutes. Yeah, is, a power uh, imbalance of some kind. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, um, uh, ABC's Conversations with uh, Richard Feidler. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Big fan of that. And I used to love Margaret Frosby, although she doesn't have a podcast, but I used to love those long-form interviews that she would do 11 a.m. on uh, ABC Radio. Yeah, okay. ABC and SBS, of course, invested a lot of time and, and money into developing podcasts in this country as well, didn't they? Well, I think, aren't they just really publishing their radio content on the web? Essentially, that's true too. Yeah, yeah. That's that seems. I don't think they do anything that is beyond outs- original. Outside just of, for podcasts. Yeah, I think they do. Land. Actually, they do a little bit. Right. A new one that I'm listening to is a, um, a an in, in, an Aboriginal language podcast for children. Yeah. So that's a new one that I've picked up recently as well. That's and I think that that is a specific podcast by the ABC. Another theatre one that I will mention is Closing Night Theatre Therapy by Susie Wrong in Sydney. Oh so, yes, and Nate Edmondson I think is yeah, that's that right. Well. Yeah, so yeah. I've been loving that as well because that's also such a fresh twist on the podcasting format. They're talking to actors just the night after or the day after a show is closed and talking to wow. them about their thoughts and feelings and everything about the show. So. When you get some pretty candid conversations. When they're quite raw and raw, vulnerable. exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's called closing night theatre therapy. Because you you can have <laughs> a wonderful time on some shows, and other shows you just can't. Wait You're exhausted. To yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sharing a dressing room with a particular person, or or just really har- harrowing content. Mm, yes, you know, yeah. Um, so. Uh, Next question. <laughs> Down. Um, it's okay, you can just edit that out. <laughs> we can, well, or I can leave it in, you oh, know, to make it as authentic as possible. You're a person, you're a person. We're a person, we're a person. <laughs> uh, what do you love most about the form? Um, that it's available to almost everyone. In the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially now that technology is at the point that before you used to be need to be quite technically savvy to kind of get it all going, but... Now there's products that basically it's plug and play um, and hosting is so easy now. So I, I really love that, you know, you got an idea, you know. Go you, for it. You can even go to a library like Kathleen Sign Library in Carlton. You can rent their podcasting booth for eight bucks an hour. You know, like you don't even need to buy the equipment. The equipment. Mm. So it's it's not prohibitive to most people anymore. That's what I love about it. Yeah. Yeah. The Indie Pod Fest. Indie Pod Fest. Yes, that's something you were co-directing. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> Tell us about the Indie Pod Fest and, and uh, what goals you had for that. Well, it's not R.I.P. It's just kind of like, what do we do now? So Indie Pod Fest was going to be actually on last weekend in Melbourne. And Ben McKenzie and I, who I did rediscovery with, we felt like there was a really big gap in the market in Australia for an independent podcasting festival. You've kind of got one for the ABC. You've got Audiocraft in Sydney, which is really sort of all kinds of different audio makers, professional, commercial, independent. Uh, but we wanted to create a space for independent makers. Uh, we programmed a whole festival, two days, two nights. We had like 25 guests. Um, but we, Ben and I both broke, like we don't have any money and 
we didn't want to risk shelling out money for something that wouldn't be successful. So we ran a possible campaign to run, to raise the minimum amount of money we needed to run the festival. We still would have required, you know, a, a, more tickets, but we sort of ran the possible on like 50, 30% occupancy and it, it didn't work. Wow. So we didn't get enough money. And I, we think that that's like a multitude of reasons. One, like people usually don't buy tickets for things until like the week before. Yep. And our possible finished like six weeks before the event. Um, perhaps there's just not an, an, as much of an appetite for it as we're as passionate well, also, for it. I don't know whether there's much competition, but, you know, I just went to the Audio Craft mm. um, Conference Festival in Sydney. So, and uh, there seemed to be a lot of people that had flown in for that. So mm. I don't know whether that's, um, but surely there's enough space for one in each capital city. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think ultimately, like most things in this space is that we need to secure some kind of funding. Yes, yes. You know, like nothing, basically nothing gets off the ground these days without significant sponsorship or significant grant funding and you see dave with the australian podcast awards making good headway with that now in its third year sure of course um so i think because everything was programmed and like it's it's fully designed like it's a festival ready to go uh it's all budgeted everything like that we have we have all the material that we need to apply for a grant um, ben and I are just pretty burned out at this point, so yeah. we need to just take a long break. We want to have a couple of little satellite events, like just one night, like do a panel, bring everyone together. Because the beautiful thing about it was was that we, particularly me, like we came into contact with so many podcasters from around Australia that were so pumped, like really could understand the vision and really were so excited to be involved and to come. And we just want to have a couple of like Friday night events just to bring everyone together so we can all meet and yeah, and network. And and that was the beauty of uh, the podcast awards, meeting other podcasters and developing these relationships and networking. And that's actually a good idea because if they, I think the podcast awards intend to alternate each city, they certainly did it the second one in Melbourne. If they're going to have it in Melbourne next year, we might try to have an event near it yes. to, to capture a lot of people who are coming in. Great. But in any event, like we, we've jef- we've definitely generated a lot of goodwill in the community and I don't think it's dead in the water. I think it's just we need to figure out what's next. Because you, you, you think there's a real, real crest of the wave at the moment with podcasting. I do. Yeah. And I, I think it, and the reason why we wanted to cre- create the festival was because I think we're really in danger in losing what is most beautiful about podcasting and having it drowned out by corporates, right? So people, independents, indies are making world-class work in Australia in particular. And it's being drowned out by corporate organizations that have a lot of money for advertising and a lot of power, cultural capital to be able to spread the news. Um, I was really heartened to see that half of the awards were given to independent podcasters at the Australian podcast awards. That's an indication of how good the work is. Um, but that's why we wanted the Indie Pod, Pod Fest was to create space. So that all those people could get together, be recognized, uh, network, get their shows out there. Um, 
so I think now it's like it's becoming popular to the point that it's the bubble might burst a little bit, but it'll come back. Yeah, you can't stop making, you can't stop pe- people making work. No, exactly. <laughs> you know? That's the point of it. Yes, and yeah. there's an audience out there just to um, to find the right podcast for them. Yeah, well, finding them is a difficult thing, I think, these days. But yeah, uh, the, the, well, with the iPhones, it's fantastic. You've got the little podcast app. You just click on that, and you can subscribe and search for anything. How do you find your podcasts? Uh, merely the podcast app on my iPhone. I'll, you I'll type do, in a, key, a, a keyword, or well, I, I suppose I've I've heard about one. Somebody suggested something. Mm. I've seen it in social media. Uh, and so they'll go and explore yeah. and subscribe yeah. and then listen to a few episodes as they drop and yeah. um, see whether I like it or not. And then do you do any discovery based around like suggestions? Because, you know, like when you go into the app. Yes, it'll come up with other like podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very occasionally. No, I probably don't follow that link up, but okay. I could. I yeah, guess. that's right. I'm just asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious. I'm really curious about this behavior. Yeah. yeah. And look, and as I say, I, I'm a great fan of biography, so I suppose I'm drawn to the interview. Of course. Podcast rather than the true crime or mm. uh, or anything else. Do you listen to that guy who was Doctor Who? David Tennant. Yeah, do you yeah, listen to that one? Yeah. Absolutely. I think he's Is just finished. Good? Yeah, first series. He did about 12 or 10 mm. uh, of mates that he'd been working with or whatever. And there are a couple. It's a great one with Whoopi Goldberg and Michael Sheen. Oh, yeah, yeah I love Michael Sheen. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. have a listen to that. That's yeah. a really terrific episode. Uh, but do you find that you'll, you'll listen to an episode and you've got friends who, oh, I know they would love this. And they are podcast mm. listeners. Mm. So I will always share a podcast episode yeah, as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I'm in a group on Facebook called Plod, Pod Class as well, which is like a, a an aficionado's. And it's just all, it's it's like very high grade recommendations. Like people don't just put any old shit in there. Like people right. like listen to whole seasons and then they're like, okay, this is good enough for Pod Class. And then they post about it in there. So is so, that a closed group? Or can no, anyone no, join? You can, anyone can join. Right. I think you might need to be approved, but it's not a secret group. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Pod Class. Pod Class. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, so. yeah. Anyone wanting to. They used to have meetups, actually. I should ask them to start it again. They used to do, uh, they would select a podcast to listen to. You'd have to listen to the whole season. Then you would go to a meetup and talk like, about it. Like book club. Like book club. Exactly. <laughs> That's why it's called pod class. Yeah. Pod class. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. Well, um, it's been lovely meeting you. Yeah, you too. At the awards. And thank you for coming in and, and having a conversation. Yeah, thank on, you. On the stages. It's really It's good. amazing to be on the other side. Yeah, I know. You, <laughs> you better listen to this when you're on the treadmill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, with your ginger tea yeah. and uh, be taken away. But um, yes, uh, chookers for future podcasts. Thank you. Um, I hope we're here across the aisle again. Maybe it'll be a 10-year reunion or something. He'll come back and do it again. I think just uh, I might need maybe just a year. I'm still working on the website, so you can go to across aisle, acrossisle.com. And also our social media is still really active as well, at Across Aisle. There's lots of show recommendations in across there. Across Aisle or Across the Aisle? No, Across Aisle. Across Aisle. Yeah, there's lots of show recommendations in there and, you know, we've got a big following on Twitter so and also on Instagram, Facebook. So if you're looking to go to, go to shows, email me. It's all good. I'll, I'll, I'll help you. You will indeed. Thanks, Carla. Thank you. I hope you are now a tad more informed about the wonderful world of podcasting. Carla is a font of knowledge and it was great to hear her experiences of the platform. Do check out her podcast, Across the Aisle. Engaging and informative, it's a terrific record of the art scene in Melbourne. 
If you enjoyed this conversation, you're bound to enjoy many more from the Stages Archive. You'll find conversations with Tony Lamond, Geraldine Turner, Caroline O'Connor, Ruthie Henschel, Donna Lee and Chloe Dallimore, a legion of leading ladies. And all with fascinating tales to tell across all stages. Find the podcast on Wooshka or in iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to subscribe so that you may receive each new episode as it drops. And take the time to rate and review the podcast, please. It helps us reach a broader audience and share these great conversations. As always, I'm Peter Ayers, and you've been listening to another exciting episode of Stages. Stages.